0: Everyone, and thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the King's Crowd Startup Investor Podcast. Today, I am very lucky to be joined by Nathan Becker, founder and CEO of Foundersuite. Uh, This should be an interesting conversation because Foundersuite is something that serves founders uh, quite well when they're in the capital raising process something that very much affects investors and founders. And so I'm excited to dive in, learn more about their solution and how it's helping to empower founders to have more effectiveness and more success in their capital raising efforts. So with that, I'd love to turn it over to Nathan. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us here today. Yeah, thanks, Chris, for having me. always enjoy it. Absolutely. So for those who don't know about Foundersuite, tell us a little about yourself and a little bit about what you're building at Foundersuite. Suite
1: sure yeah so my my back is pretty straightforward i went to college got out of college spent a little time in investment banking um helping companies raise later stage rounds right that's what investment bankers do and even did uh, a little time like helping companies go public so that was kind of interesting and then actually went earlier stage into the private placements world which was helping companies raise like bc D mezzanine rounds, and then after that, I actually went even earlier and had a consulting business called Venture Archetypes that was helping companies raise like Series A and seed rounds. And then I kind of went all the way into all the way into it and started Founder Suite, which is now software and a database uh, for startups raising capital. So, really, my whole career has kind of been helping companies raise capital in one way, shape, or another. So that's what that's what I'm doing.
0: Well, I think something that would be really interesting for a lot of people is how are you, uh, or no, not how are you, what problems are you solving for the founder that they're running into in the capital raising process?
1: Yeah, there are so many. <laughs> how much time <laughs> do we have? Um, no, I mean, I used to help founders raise capital, and especially when I was helping them with the early stage raises when I was doing the consulting, you know, I'd get a company on board and um, it's always first-time founders, right? Almost, you know, 99% of founders out there are basically first-time founders, first-time fundraisers. They haven't done it before. It's not rocket science, but it's also not entirely intuitive. You know, there are a lot of nuances to raising capital that can trip you up if you do it wrong, right? And so, I mean, some of the problems are obviously identifying the right investors, right? That's always been a challenge. Who should I be going after as a founder raising capital? And so that's something we're trying to help solve with our database of investors, something you can come search and and build a target list. Um, The actual mechanics of running a fundraise are often very messy, right? You're talking to hundreds of investors in many cases, and every time you talk to an investor, it leads to you know, two or three follow-up action items that have to happen. So there's a lot of activities that have to happen. Now take that and compress it into a, a pretty tight time frame. Ideally, if you're a founder, you know, you don't want to be stretching your fundraising out over nine months. You want to be doing it in two months or three months if you can. So you've got to do all this activity in a short time frame. So that's what we're kind of attacking with our CRM. And then there's just the ongoing kind of relationship building with investors, right? You've um, you should be as a founder building relationships with investors both way before fundraising and then after you raise capital. You should be kind of nurturing relationships for your next round. You should also be engaging your your investors who wrote you a check. And so we've got some tools for that, like investor updates. So, you know, there's just a lot of like little like it's it's not one big problem it's a lot of like small and medium-sized problems that <laughs> founders encounter when they're raising capital even like our most recent product we launched in december was a data room right pretty simple thing but it's where you create folders upload upload sensitive documents like intellectual property or or your product roadmap or your you know, confidential financials and stuff like that. And then you want to be able to share it with people and not let them download it or let them view it only or whatever. Like just those pro- little problems are kind of what you've got to deal with as a founder. And that's what we're, we're attacking through software.
0: Well, I'm sure a lot of folks, you know, who listen to us are, you know, maybe you're in sales or what have you. I mean, a fundraising round is essentially selling equity, right? You were you a salesperson at the end of the day. Um, And so what I think is really cool about your solution is you are essentially a sales force or HubSpot, but for founders who are selling equity, not selling a product, Um, which I think is really, really cool and definitely helpful because you're right. There are so many touch points. I mean, I look back at all of the folks that I've talked to over the years. I mean, you're talking about a couple thousand folks since I started the company till now. Um, And you're right. You spend most of the time being told no. And then, but all of those follow-ups, they eventually pay off and you start getting more yeses from certain, certain individuals and, and venture institutions. Um, so I, I'd be really curious to hear from you. You obviously, you know, with your software, I'm sure you just see thousands of founders utilizing your product um, and you could see where some of them hit the pitfalls. Are there any things that differentiate those who kind of go through and have a successful fundraise versus those who seem to kind of falter or struggle along the way?
1: yeah there are a lot you know one of the things i just kind of alluded to is like building relationships like um the the most successful fastest to time to check founders that we see are the ones that started six months 12 months sometimes even years in advance before raising capital right they've been cultivating some investor relationships i I know some of our customers, as an extreme example, I know one of our customers, and I don't want to disclose, disclose the name, but um, he was working at a startup and he kind of like talked, to, talked his way on to uh, helping out with that startup's fundraise, right? The CEO and CFO were leading it, but that person kind of did a lot of the grunt work just to be involved in the process and get to know some investors. And then, you know, two years later, he started his own startup. He had some investor relationships already already made from the previous startup that he could kind of leverage. That's an extreme example. Not everyone can do that, of course, but even you know your 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 average Joe founder can and should start building relationships with investors in your target vertical. Um, you know, six to twelve months in advance. That's one of my favorite little hacks. The fundraising. And you don't have to be asking them for a lot of time or attention. You can just kind of get on their radar and nurture, nurture that along a little bit, giving them some insights into what you're doing over time, sending a, a you know, monthly or bi-monthly update on your progress, things like that can really help um, kind of nurture those relationships. So then when you say, all right, it's fundraising time, you've got kind of a warmed up audience already, right? So that's something I see a lot of people do well. Now Conversely, you get the founder who um, is three weeks away from running out of money, and now they decide it's time to start fundraising. And you know what do they do? They just try and download like all our investors and do a, a mass blast, and you know try and like just brute force it. That doesn't work very well for most most of the most of the time. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: I could imagine it, it's typically better. Uh, to be chatting with them when you don't need the money. And then when it comes a long time, when you're getting in the zone of needing money to have that discussion, but already show them the progress points along the way. Um, One of the other major inefficiencies I have found in, in capital raising is finding the right people. Who should I be talking to? Do they actually invest in what I'm doing? Half the time I feel like they say they're seed investors, but then their definition of seed is very different from someone else's definition of seed. And it's all over the map. How do you help map the capital raising process for founders um, and help them identify better targets to go after um, by beginning that outreach?
1: Yeah, that is that is hard. And so, rewind the clock like ten years ago or even longer when I was helping startups with that. It was even harder before, right? Yeah, you, this is a, this is going to date me, but like way back when we used to go. I worked at an investment bank and we would go to the the Librarian office, for lack of a better term, right? And we would check out like the Pratt's guide to venture capital on like CD ROM, right? There was like a CD ROM of investors you go search through. And then, of course, you know, got a lot easier whenever VC had a website. And now, you know, you've got Crunchbase, PitchBook, King's Crowd, you've got um, uh, Angelist, you've got Founder Suite, and there was, you know, half a dozen or more places you can start to search for investors. Um, and then that's good, that's good for everyone, right? Because it's a lot easier to at least start to build that list. Now, it still takes some time kind of culling that list, sorting through that list, qualifying qualifying the leads on that list. And you're right, like, you know, you mentioned like stage. Stage is actually really tricky. We have ways to search by industry, industry tags, type of investor, location stage we still don't have even though we've been working on it because like you just said different investors just define stage differently it's hard to really standardize across two hundred thousand investors what is a seed investor right i mean right. And so we're we're working on it we're, we're getting there but it's even things like that are kind of hard to standardize um yeah what was the original question no, i don't know I I, I I think I think,
0: you, <laughs> I, I think you hit on it um I'm also interested to ask you, you know, when you think about um, connecting with venture funds and things of that nature, a lot of times it comes down to who you know, and having an inside relationship to be able to connect with them for founders who are starting out and they don't have those connections, they don't have that network, you know, does creating that kind of email trip campaign, letting people know about what you're up to, trying to find ways to get them interested in grabbing coffee with you prior to you needing money. Is that a way to kind of nurture and build a relationship? Do you see things that are key to success in building those cold intros into something that actually flourishes?
1: Yeah, yeah. You touched on on several parts right there. I think the secret to building those connection points or connector paths um, is working the founder network, founders network in general, right? Um, And that's why accelerators, I think, have been so successful in the past years because it fosters this entrepreneurial network. But even if you're not an accelerator, you can can and should reach out to founders in your space, um, socialize with them, pay it forward when you can, help them out when you can. Maybe, you know, you're talking to a founder in FinTech space and you're in FinTech and you know they're looking for a, a great QA engineer and you happen to know someone, right? Pay it forward, make that intro and then, you know, Later on, it's great to lean on those founders for those intro paths to investors. And that's one of the little tactics to talk about in in this webinar we give our customers where let's say you're trying to reach a very specific investor, you know research them and figure out what uh, what startups they've invested in in the last six months or a year. Then reach out, cold reach out to those founders and start, you know, get on a zoom, take them out for coffee, take them out for lunch, whatever you can. Right, because then you've got that intro path into that target investor because you get to know that founder. Founders are easy to get to know if you're a fellow founder, right? So it's a pretty nice little little hack, so to speak.
0: You know, I, I probably have my own answer on this, but I'd like to hear yours. Um, do you have a sense from your your data from your database how many touch points it typically requires before folks will close an investor?
1: Mm, that is an interesting i i wish i had a hard number for you i don't um i'm going to just kind of ballpark it from like my own experience and conversations i'd say it's six to seven in many cases right um just throw that out there (laughs) but yeah
0: yeah no i think that's about exactly where i find it to be as well um in terms of your customer right which is the founder um is there a certain stage that folks are coming and utilizing your software for or is this kind of any stage starting as early as kind of doing a friends and family round it's
1: it's if we did a little pie graph pie chart of our customers it's a pretty big wedge is going to be the seed stage pre-seed and seed stage so pretty early stuff um but we are getting Later stage companies are on there as well. And some of those are growing up with us on the platform. Like they started on seed and now they're they're on to raising series A and series B. And they already have all their investors in there. They have the whole history of two years of investor updates in there. That's kind of a cool little hack, right? Let's say you're raising a series B now. And you can just give access to those guys, those series B investors. Like, hey, here's my two years of updates. You can follow along our entire history, you know, and all our warts and problems over the last two years, if you want to, right? That's powerful, right? Anyway, um, and then, you know, I think at the early, the other end of the spectrum, the really early stage folks, the friends and family, it still is good to run a process. I mean, if you're just raising 100K from Uncle Joe and Aunt Sally (laughs) or whatever, right? Maybe you don't need any systems and tools, but even, even at the early stages, I think it's good to start, Developing that that muscle habit of like building a pipeline, running a process, engaging people in a, a you know a dedicated, disciplined way. So I, I think there's a pretty gar- good argument even at the friends and family stage.
0: You know, a lot of folks who listen into this um, are investors, oftentimes in many startups. And um, one of the cool things about kind of raising from the retail environment is that you get a lot of people who really want to help, who want to be involved, yeah. who want to find ways to help. So if they're listening to this and they think, "Gee, you know, maybe this tool could be really helpful for a few of the startups that I'm invested in." Um, you know, is there a link, is there something that they can share with the founders they're invested in to get them utilizing the founder suite product?
1: Uh, yeah, we don't have like a a, um, a referral link per se, but I would say um, you know, if if you're let's say you're an angel investor and you've got half a dozen portfolio companies that probably need a little structure in their lives, then uh, you know, send them our URL or www.foundersuite, dot com, or even connect them to me, Nathan, at foundersuite.com. Happy to help get set. But the cool thing is those companies can each have their own account, set up their own pipelines, and then invite that angel investor to be a member of all their accounts. Now that angel investor can jump in between all six of her, her portfolio companies and see who's fundraising, who's making progress, who's maybe stalling or getting a little bit stale. Or if, if she really wants to, she can even set up what we call as an agent account, which we built for investment bankers. And she could actually have all those pipelines running under her account. And she could, you know, help them populate their, their investor pipelines and stuff like that. So there's a lot of ways for, Angel investors, venture firms to work with their portfolio companies and and give them a boost on their fundraising. So absolutely.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's really, really cool. I, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, end of the day, I think every investor wants to make sure that their portfolio companies are successful. So you can help and say, hey, here's another way to help with your fundraising process, especially when you're kind of raising from, you know, a mix of retail investor and institutional. I mean, Why it get unwieldy? I I definitely have experienced that myself and know how valuable that can be. Just keeping your your head on straight, you know? Um, And so much of this is about investor relations. Um, You know, I know founders who do it really well. I know founders who don't do it so much. I I definitely try and provide quarterly updates to all nearly 4,000 of our investors. Um, And I try and provide updates at any major inflection point in our business if something big happens. Um, Talk to me about some of the best practices you see in terms of investor relations when it comes to the startups that are doing really well.
1: Yeah. Now, well, I'll make you choose. Do you want to talk about kind of pre-funded investor relations or post-funded? Talk about post-funded, yeah. Okay. So with with pre-funded, I usually recommend... The frequencies a little bit more often with post-funded i don't think it has to be quite as often i actually with our investors they do quarterly updates that's just the cadence that um i kind of like i like to do a quarterly update we're not you know moving so fast that i feel like monthly or, or bi-monthly are necessary so quarterly is my cadence and you know it doesn't have to be complicated or or challenging in this quarterly update i'll usually have a little summary summary paragraph up top just like summarizing what happened right good bad and ugly in in one paragraph and then i get into kind of key highlights let's get people excited now what are the cool things that happened last last quarter new product releases maybe any press uh growth metrics you know all that good stuff usually have a little metric section where we're talking about our you know um mrr um total cash on hand churn cost of acquisition a few other things then we have um we'll usually have some product updates so I'll, I'll put in a screenshot or product of like whatever new feature we've come out with and then I get into kind of challenges all right what's what are we struggling with right now um and you know I like to be pretty open kimono about our struggles like what <laughs> what what's going on that's I'm keeping me up at night and turning my hair gray even though I'm not as old as I look and then you know kind of getting into like how I can how you can help right so specifically asking for help on either those challenges I just talked about or other stuff maybe it's recruiting or intros or whatever um and and then sometimes I'll have a little bit of like looking ahead section kind of just talking about like what's coming up next and what we're going to be working on and that's it so i can't really do the math that's six maybe six sections or something like that it's not yeah. that hard to write each one can be just bullets you know it doesn't have to be super eloquent prose and it shouldn't take more than an hour or two to to write that right and but that structure is really helpful for people who have written you money or written your check given you money and want to see you succeed uh that's that's actionable for them so yeah no, absolutely oh, one last section i want to add. Oftentimes, maybe even after the ask for help or even somewhere down or sometimes even up top I'll do a little thank you like especially thanking the people who helped last quarter when I had mm-hmm. challenges right calling those those names out up front. Thank you, John for making the intro to our new head of sales so and so forth that's really really powerful so
0: I like it uh, I think that sounds really really good It aligns pretty well with with things that I typically like to do as well um. Last question for you here. Obviously, there are a lot of inefficiencies in capital raising for founders. You're helping to solve for several of them, including this ability to really kind of control your funnel and manage process a lot more efficiently in a way that a traditional CRM just doesn't do. Um, What other things would you like to solve for in the founder raising uh, experience to make it more efficient and effective?
1: Yeah, it's... it's there's a lot of pain still right i feel like we're slowly and systematically tackling the pain points every year we come out with a a product or two um our most recent was this data room so now when you get into due diligence you know and you want to start sharing all the stuff you kind of need uh, a data room and so we've got that other thing i want to kind of solve in the future it's still very hard we talked about this a little bit still very hard to identify really good matches and, you know, kind of find your connection paths to those investors. If there's anything more efficient to sort of, I mean, I don't think there's really, you know, crowdfunding cl- comes closest to kind of being a matchmaking vehicle between founders and investors. And, you know, it has some advantages. I think you guys probably can talk about that more than I can. Um, but there's still a lot of inefficiencies in identifying the right people, finding the right connection path to them, and then figuring out how to, how to build that bridge to investors. And I think tech can help at least for parts of that. So that's kind of some things we're thinking about. Um, yeah, that's probably, that's probably enough right now.
0: <laughs> Very cool. No, I appreciate it. Um, well, I listen, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for so much for all of your thoughts on, on kind of the founder, capital raising experience and that journey and what that looks like. Um, for those who are interested, you know, foundersuite.com, uh, I think it's a wonderful solution and something that really can help founders. And if you're an investor, um, I think it's paramount to ask your founders if they're utilizing this product. And if not, you know, getting them to use it because it really is an effective tool for managing your capital raising process. Um, and ultimately we want companies to be successful in doing that because that's that's the lifeblood of making sure they continue on and see their vision through. Um, so Nathan,
1: thank you so much. Any uh, last words for the crowd? No, just uh, you know, it, it's never too early to start thinking about fundraising and building those relationships, like we talked about, because it it always takes longer and is harder than you expect it to be. So so start early. Check out King's Crowd. Check out Founder Suite. Um, um, and and I guess last words of advice, you know, something I. I like to think about like start to kind of pay it forward start to build your your founder karma bank right so because you're going to require calling in a lot of favors when you actually start out fundraising (laughs) so start (laughs) to sort of build the goodwill in advance you know be helpful to everyone you can with other founders and then that'll come back to you when you start fundraising so i like that
0: yeah perfect start to pay it forward i think that's a, a wonderful note to leave off on nathan thank you so much for your time today and have a wonderful day
1: Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it.